And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. And that is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 19, 20. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and in front of me, my co-host, Joey Velasquez. Yo, how's it going? And like always, the president, oh, he's not here today. He's doing systematic theology. So we're uh, just starting a little early today, so the boss uh, might join us a little bit later, but he's doing the Lord's work. And uh, Joey, how are we doing? Dude, I'm doing great. Yeah? yeah? Tell me tell me what's going on, man, in these crazy times. Um, a lot of people turning to Christ. Good. Uh, a lot of my old friends, people I've been talking to, actually learning more about him, so that's, that's great. Yeah, and you've been doing a lot of just uh, Jehovah Witness apologetics lately yeah i've actually speaking to some jehovah's witnesses right now that are kindly reaching out to me and you know we're actually talking about scripture uh without debating anymore so and actually one jehovah's witness who i've been talking to for many months finally started to you know uh agree on certain subjects like the trinity and salvation so that's really cool really mm-hmm. that I, I i appreciate that uh you have a love for doing uh, apologetics to uh, to the Jehovah Witness community, uh, you came on on podcast. What, what, what podcast was that? Episode ninety. Episode ninety. So you guys should really go check out that episode. Uh, we brought on Joey before he became my co-host um, here at Bridge Radio, uh, and who uh, I interviewed him. Uh, you can also go on to YouTube to Bridge uh, Laredo, Bridgeman Laredo on our YouTube, and you can see also the video that was the only video that we've done hopefully here in the future we're able to do a little bit more but um that was a trial run um but yeah that was uh that that was a really really good uh podcast um so ladies and gentlemen uh just thank you for uh tuning in today uh today we have um um brandon watson uh a missionary to mexico up in the mountains uh, I met him um, at our O Church in Harlingen, Texas. Uh, uh, his testimony is just absolutely amazing. Uh, him and his family are just wonderful people. He'll, he'll get to uh, chat about them today. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, um, for our listening audience, please don't forget to subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, Stitcher Radio. Uh, please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org. Also, um, last week's episode that we did with uh, Pastor um, Luther uh, went really well. Um, I really appreciate all our new audience that we picked up, especially during this just really, really uh, hard time as our nation is divided. Um, and all we can do as Christian is point everybody to Christ yeah. and, and show love, uh, especially as this is an election year. Uh, lives have been hurt. Uh, um, and with just COVID, I mean, just a crazy, crazy year. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank uh, everybody uh, in our international audience. Again, Canada, uh, UK, uh, 
New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Romania. Uh, we've, been, we've been picking up France, Jamaica. Um, just thank you. Netherlands, Philippines. Thank you very much for listening, guys. And for our just U.S. audience, thank you very much. Um, Laredo, uh, Chicago. We've been picking up people there. Los Angeles, uh, Greenverse, South Carolina, Houston, Cleveland, New York, uh, Seattle, Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, Kansas City, San Francisco, Raleigh, uh, Spokane, Oklahoma City, Portland, Dayton, Salt Lake City, all all the people who are listening to us, thank you very much for tuning in. That's awesome. So you ready to get this uh, podcast started, Joey? You know I am. All right, let's do it. Brandon and Heather Watson and their kids, Christina, Joshua, and AJ, are missionaries to the Central Mountains of Mexico. They are dedicated to preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ through the planting and growing of churches in places where there is no gospel influence. Welcome, Brandon Watson, to Bridge Radio for the first time. Hello, hello. <laughs> well, Brandon, thank you very much for coming on Bridge Radio. Um I was just telling uh, um, a Joey here that the first time that I heard about you was back in our old church at Lagos Community Church in Harlingen, Texas, uh, and you came up and right. were given a testimony and what you did, and we were just blown away of what you were doing uh, in um, the, the mountains of Mexico, um, and and then just a church rally around you guys uh for uh, the needs of the community that you serve. So, uh, Brandon, can you just share a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to Saving Faith? Okay, well, sure. Yeah, actually, I am originally from Alabama. That's where I'm at right now, Roll Tide. And (laughs) we're up here. uh, We kind of got stuck up here with the uh, the pandemic hit, Mm. and uh, we've been up here for a few weeks now. But, uh, yeah, I'm originally from Decatur, Alabama, and my wife and I went to the University of Alabama, and that's actually where uh, I got saved and uh, had limited knowledge of the gospel uh, at the time. You know, looking back, uh, knew that Jesus died for my sins and knew, you know, like in, in most places in the Bible Belt, uh, here's no exception where, you know, basically everybody says they're saved mm-hmm. and they're in agreement with the gospel. Well, um, actually, uh, my, my father really pushed me in sports at an early age, and um, I was really big into baseball, and was actually playing baseball there at the university and gotten into drinking and the whole party scene and, and whatnot. And um, I remember uh, to this day, I can tell you the day and almost the time where this conviction fell on me, and it was something as simple, guys, as a uh, – a roommate that I had, I had, I said something to him, a cuss word or something. And I just remember at that moment feeling so bad. And it struck me because, uh, up to that point, I, you know, when you're, when you're not regenerated and, and, you know, we're all born into sin and you're living and you don't really think about it that much. And I had not thought about it that much the way I was living in fornication and heavy drinking and, uh, just real ego, just it just was just self-centered. Um, just didn't think a whole lot about it, but that that moment I really felt a conviction, and the conviction really really didn't wasn't thinking about God. I just wanted to be a better person at that moment, and what it was 
um, I had some people praying for me. My mom and my brother had uh, gotten saved and they started praying and they had talked to me. But, you know, in, in those days, I, I thought, wow, you know, I, I, you know, I want to change. I, I was really serious about changing and could not figure out how to do it. I'd last two or three days trying to, to not go to the bars, trying to not do the things that all of a sudden I realized were wrong and I could not stop. And I, it was God, you know, revealing that I was a slave to sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my brother and my mother talked to me about church and tried to get me to church. And uh, I did not want to go because the people that I knew that went to church lived exactly like I did. Oh, wow. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I want to change. And, and, you know, the version that I've seen of religion, you know, the bad kind of religion, mm-hmm. Um, was a bunch of people that did go to church, but they, you know, you know, outside of Sunday, they, they lived exactly like I did. So it was on Thanksgiving, uh, went home from, we had, I think two weeks off Thanksgiving break and, uh, from Tuscaloosa to Alabama is about a two and a half hour drive. And I went back and, um, I was, guys, I was so miserable because, um, it didn't matter what I, what I did. If I went to the bar, I was miserable. I was convicted. If I didn't go to the bar, I was miserable because, you know, my flesh wanted me to go this way and, and this conviction was driving me and I was just in between a rock and a hard place and I was just beat down. I mean, when I got home, I spoke to my brother and I was like, man, I want to change. I don't know how. And he's like, man, you need Jesus. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I know what you're saying, but I just, I've tried the religious thing and that's not where change is. And he's like, no, I'm talking about the one true living God. And he witnessed to me and I left the house and about a mile from my house in my truck, I, I prayed a simple prayer. Basically, God, if you exist, save me. And the very, you know, I felt like something had calmed down in my heart at the moment. But the, the, the big thing that happened was the very following day when I woke up, I had a desire to read the Bible, which was just completely out of left field for me. And uh, I didn't know where to where to read. I just picked up a Bible and started reading. And um, it was really awesome those first couple of weeks because I had so many questions. And, and God was kind of leading me through the Word and answering the questions that I had through the Word of God. And, you know, the, the verse, and I, I memorized it more in Spanish than English, but de modo que si alguno está en Cristo, nueva criatura es, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, your new creation the oldest passed away, behold, all has become new. And when I read that verse for the first time, I bumped into it after it had happened in my life. And I was like, that's what's happened because I feel, uh, I feel new. I feel, uh, I feel like I don't even know myself in a sense because this is not the person that I was literally last week. It was just a dramatic transformation. Um, not perfection, but absolutely a different direction. And uh, that's kind of how it ever it all started, and you know we're still going to this day. But just uh, you know, it was such a, an amazing experience for me, and I find myself even now going back to you know we have tons of debates and Bible studies on theology and all that stuff is so important. But I'll, I'll find myself going back, and you know, like Paul said, you know, at the end of the day, what matters you have to be born again. Yeah. You have to be born again. It's not enough just to simply be in agreement with it, mm. but you have to take that step of faith and trust Jesus and his spirit has to be in you. And, and, and you have to see, you know, whatever that looks like for every individual, you should see a transformation. And that's the evidence that you've been justified and forgiven. And, you know, um, 
a couple of years later is when I really started understanding what had happened at that moment. And um, I'm just blessed uh, that God showed mercy and grace on my life. So I, I could go on and on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so God saved you. Um, where's the, just kind of the transition point from God saving you and then God calling you to uh, the mission field? Well, uh, I wouldn't recommend this for everybody, but this was obviously um, the will of God for my life. I'd gotten saved in 1997. Um, in 1998, 99, I was part of a local a local church where I learned to serve, basically. Um, 1998, uh, we, I really felt God moving on my heart to, to move into these uh, government housing that we call them projects up here in Alabama, mm. and uh, I'd moved over there because I'd taken a trip to Mexico, kind of blown away. I'd never been out of the country before and just was blown away by the need. And um, after the trip, there was this unrest in my in my heart because uh, if you guys, I don't know if you guys have been to Alabama, but uh, literally on this place called Spring Avenue, just five minutes from where I'm sitting right now, there's 35 churches on that one street. Oh, and wow. I think there's close to two, 270 churches in this town. And uh, I would go back, and I just could not reconcile in my heart um, not helping uh, out with the uh, the need in Mexico. So to get ready for that, I moved into the project and kind of tried the model that I'd seen, which is house churches, basically, uh, and started doing services in different apartments and um, did that for about a year and a half and then ultimately uh, moved to Mexico, right? We got married. I met my wife during that time in the project, and uh, we'd gotten married. And we, I think, we were married like four or five months, and then we moved to Mexico and went to language school for nine months. And then after that, we were in the work. So, and we're, we're learning to this day. But that's kind of how everything started. Yeah. Um. So, just for our international and our uh, just a, a local audience and our United States audience, Brandon, can you just kind of give us the geographical location where you currently are serving um, the people of Mexico? Oh, yeah. It, we're in the state of San Luis Potosí, which is the central toward the eastern side of Mexico. Uh, we The town we live in is called Gilitla. It's a uh, municipio, they call it, county seat. And we sit, uh, if you could look on a map, kind of where the state of Carretero Hidalgo and San Luis kind of meet. So we primarily minister in um, an area of three states. Mm. And we go a little bit further than that sometimes. And most of our uh, works, I call them, they're not all churches yet. I mean, that's ultimately the, the goal. But a work would be considered um, a house where we're visiting, where they'll start uh, inviting their neighbors to come. And you'll do services there until, you know, a pastor rises up and then you start to implement uh, structure and whatnot and to, you know, becomes a, uh, a church, whether it's in a house or you build a, what we call them galettas down there or a coal barn little uh, structure with a, with a roof and no walls. And then you can fill in those walls later. And that's kind of the, the, the way that a work is done down there. But yeah, primarily it's up in the mountains. Uh, I think 95% of our works are in mountains. So they're, uh, pretty, pretty far out places to reach. They're they're isolated. A lot of these places, and for those who don't know, kind of how Mexico's set up, 
Um, you have several several different uh, what you call people groups or tribes or whatever. We we minister to uh, the indigenous uh, Waktekos, um, the Nahuatl. Uh, there's a couple of different ones thrown in there, but these guys have their own language, their own traditions, their own culture. And sad to say, they're, they're kind of looked down on in, in society down there. They don't have a lot of rights. Wow. And um, it's, it's, it's really an interesting dynamic, especially with, you know, with what's happening up here in the States right now. Um, we get to see that you know, just about every day down there. It's a sad situation, but they're, so, they're such awesome people. Um, they're, they're, they're so humble and I mean, they're, they're literally the meek of the earth and, and we've learned so much from them. It's just an honor to serve them. Yeah. Wow. Now, Brendan, um, I'm sure someone in our audience might be thinking of doing mission work in a foreign country. What, what are some of the challenges that they can expect in doing mission work in a foreign country? Well, uh, I guess practically Speaking, of course, the language. I think um, you know. There's obviously the the, the subject of short term missions, and then there's long term missions. I'm more of a long term guy. Not saying that the short term doesn't doesn't do good. It's just hard to minister um, the on the level that that to me is really really important without actually learning the language. So the language barrier would be number one. You'd want to learn the language if you really are serious about missions. Um, learn the language, learn the customs, um, being from the United States. And, uh, one of the things I didn't know was in my heart. So I went to Mexico. It was, there was this sense of pride. There was this sense of I'm here to bring them my way. And I learned very quickly that that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're not there. You're not there to bring them necessarily where you're from or maybe how you were raised, you're there to bring them the gospel. And uh, one thing that I was taught very early was, you know, submit submission to their culture, submission to the language, submission to their their traditions that are not, you know, pagan or whatnot. You'll mm-hmm. run into stuff like that. But that just necessarily means learning the language, eating the food, sitting down. Um, you know, being an American, we're really, you know, we're always looking at our watch and, and we really want to be productive in a day and squeeze all kinds of stuff in. And one day, well, down there, everything slows down. And if you want to get somewhere, you just take the watch off and mm. you sit down. And and so I've had to, you know, that was another barrier. It was organization, had, you know, in my mind had to change completely mm. uh, when I got down there and just had to be really teachable, really flexible. Um, you know, we could talk all day about the food. I actually love the food now, but we had, we had, uh, uh, had a pretty tough time the first couple of years, but uh, now it's flipped. We've, you know, we've been down there 20, 20 years and it's really difficult to be in the state for the time, you know, my, especially my kids um, have kind of suffered the last couple of weeks, uh, not being down there around their friends and just around that culture. Cause there's a real beauty um, that people don't see in the, in the, in the culture down there in Mexico. And, and I would, I would say in a lot of different cultures, um, they, there's just stuff that you don't see unless you get immersed in it and kind of earn your way. Um, you know, first couple of years, you're, you're trying to gain trust and it just takes time. There's no shortcut. Mm. Uh, you, once you, when you go in, you just got to make up your mind, you know, uh, as long as it takes to, to win some to Jesus and you just, you don't get in a hurry. And it took five or six years before they really started believing that I was going to stay. 
And then, uh, I guess it was four or five years ago, we were able to purchase some land. Uh, we have a ranch where we're going to be growing coffee and whatnot. And it was so funny. We've been down there for about 17, 18 years. And when we bought that land, that was when I got the most comments where they said, okay, you're finally going to stay. So I was like, man, you know, it just took, <laughs> and to this day, you just feel like you're almost trying to prove yourself to them because they've just been, they've been ripped off a, a lot over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years and they just don't trust. So yeah. um, humility, humility is huge. And that's just something that, that God had to work in me and is still working in me to this day. Yeah, uh, and it uses it, it's amazing because he uses the people that you're called to to actually form you into the image of Jesus. It's a, it's, it's a two way street, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I'm sure uh, assimilation uh, is a, a big part of um, being in that culture. Uh, sometimes, like you were saying earlier, um, with a mindset of they should be assimilating to me and my um, my thinking instead of us to them. So. And I yeah. feel like these challenges right. are also common with just missionaries in general, whereas a lot of us can fall into being prideful, thinking that we're there to give them a message that comes from us when really it's the gospel Absolutely. that changes a life. And then we might get impatient when we don't see results at first. And um, right. so so I feel like a lot of the challenges that come with being a missionary in a foreign country comes also or applies to just missionaries in general as well of course a foreign country has different challenges like you said the first one was first of all learning a new language that would be like a hard thing for me to do um but yeah right. I, I do see some similarities in that so so let's Absolutely. so let's uh let's talk uh let's talk a little bit about that just now uh about your you're in the mountains now um how how's equipping the local people with the gospel um has helped the community as a whole um however however that process is in, in the mountains what what was your approach what is your approach uh in working with uh uh the people down there and and just getting to trust you and then sharing the gospel and right. uh, making disciples more disciples and uh, raising up leaders and preachers so that they can go into the to other communities right Right. That is, that is absolutely been a, a work in, in, in progress. When we first got to Mexico, um, we were trained up with an organization and they did an excellent job of showing us how to work with the people. And, but the, the, the lack of theology in that particular setting, what happened was after I guess about five or six years, we were taught, you know, to eat the food to, to work hard, go to church. We were doing, oh gosh, between five and seven services a week. And you'd basically go in, eat the food, spend time with family. And, but when you got to the, 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 there was no emphasis or high view on Bible study, um, per se. It was more of, uh, talking about miracles, talking about, um, different testimonies that you see, you, and there was, a, you know, there was a level of encouragement there, but also the theology was anemic. So mm. after about six years of that, uh, God really started showing me that something was, was missing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm speaking generally of a Pentecostal background. That's kind of what I came out of. 
And uh, I bumped into a, a sermon by Paul Washer. It kind of thing. I know there's a lot of people that blame it, yeah. blame it all on him. Yeah. He, he I don't know how many times you've heard that. <laughs> yeah, he messes a lot of things up, doesn't he? He messed me up because I was, uh, we actually, in, in one of the things that our organization encourages is fasting, which, you know, to this day, I'm definitely in agreement with that, doing, done the right way. And we were on a work-wide fast and, I can't remember exactly how I got a hold of his sermon, but up to that point, the people I listened to were charismatic, Pentecostal, you know, some good, some not so good. And, but it just, it, it was leaving me empty because it was just something missing. And yeah. I mean, I'd listen to messages on how to lose weight with Jesus, how to balance your checkbook with Jesus, but there was like <laughs> no gospel, man. Mm. And I heard this guy, Paul Washer. Uh, and he preached solid two hours on the gospel. And I'm not in it. You know, people say they preach the gospel and they don't, but this guy literally went through the, the most amazing teachings of the gospel. And he blew me away. And I remember after the sermon was done, I just stopped and I'm like, Oh no, I have messed up. Wow. And I got on my face and I repented. And so I went back through the work. And, you know, looking back now, the first doctrine, it really, it was almost like, you know, I, I was regenerated and saved, no doubt. But now God was going to show me how that works and how, and, and uh, the inner workings of the gospel through the doc, first doctrine was, you know, um, justification and how, um, you know, Jesus took your sin on the cross and now you wear the very righteousness of Christ and he treats you as though you have never sinned. Man, I had never heard that. Wow. at that point and uh, it blew me away and so I started pulling on that string I started following that thread through the Bible and not really thinking of any kind of denomination not thinking of any kind of church I just wanted to preach the gospel so yeah. uh, I really was enamored at first with the doctrine of justification then it went into regeneration and just you know I think it was Todd Friel had a, a series called Drive-By Theology mm. And it was a systematic theology, which I'd never heard of any of this stuff. And I'll tell you guys what it did and what, it, you know, you always heard the word theology in the, in, the, in the context or the world I was coming out of was kind of like a bad word. You never said that word. But this kind of theology really was enriching my worship. It was, I mean, it was like I'd study something and it would give me a different view on God, which would uh, affect my worship. And it was like, man, you know, it, the motivation for learning and stuff wasn't just to, to get prideful and say, I know more than somebody else, but it was actually another avenue to worship God better, you know, if you will. But what that did is it started affecting the way we minister. So when we started going back through the work and preaching the gospel, it was like, you know, once, once I grabbed that trail, man, the work just started branching out and all, you know, totally different directions. But up to that point, we just did service. We went to service. We did service. We sat down. Uh, we prayed for the sick. Um, and that was about it. We left a little bit of a, a, a of an offering on the table. We had relationships with the people, which was a good thing. But there was, never, there was not a lot of different avenues to minister to the people. So with a 15-year foundation of, you know, base, or – your foundation of just that when we started preaching the gospel well that immediately rolled into bible study which we had never uh -huh. done it was yeah so we started doing uh bible studies every few months 
which turned into a discipleship program that we're doing right now. And then that rolled into children children's ministry. My daughter heads up uh, a children's ministry where the first thing she does is she teaches attributes of God to these kids. Oh. And it's like, you, you know, one of the misconceptions, you know, when you look at these people and, and most of them are poverty stricken, they don't have a lot. And you tend to underestimate them by thinking, well, there's no way they can grasp this stuff. But I have found the opposite to be true. And uh, it's just you got to learn how to teach them the stuff. So you'll take a program by a John Piper, uh, Paul Washer, of course. He has a lot of Spanish stuff. We used a lot of his stuff, what we download or YouTube, and they would just start passing it around on their phones and through the mountains. And to see the way it changes the ministry now, I still do the services, but we now support, oh gosh, I think we got eight uh, local pastors whom are over their areas now. Hmm. So we've kind of transitioned into that, raising up Mexican missionaries and trying to place them all over the region, hopefully into Guatemala and whatnot, because there's such a need for um, good, solid, you know, guys. These, these guys are, they have a faith that cannot be taught. Just yeah. the way they were, they were raised and, um, the poverty and the suffering that they went through. They don't have that filter that we do where we have to analyze and think about it. You tell them, they do it. And, you know, and I'm sitting back thinking, why do they need me? So oh, yeah. it's like, <laughs> I learned so much from them. I, I feel like my, my main job now is I still go to the services and we go into communities that don't have a gospel, you know, any gospel whatsoever. We'll start out passing, passing out tracks and, um, the thing that I think the, the biggest change was the motivation to do that. Where before it was like it was my job, but when I really started understanding what the gospel was, it created an excitement and an encouragement that literally pushes you out the door. Like, I've got to tell somebody about this because now there's hope. There's forgiveness of sins. Anybody yeah. can be born again. It's not, it's not just pray these few words and you're in. No, no, no. We're going to talk about how God literally can transform your life, and you can be completely forgiven of all sin if you put your trust in Him. So that that serves as the right kind of fuel for evangelism. So that was the first big change. We it really increased um, the the motivation to get into different villages. Uh, we we are in a, a sort of a window between Caretero, the state of Caretero, and Gilita, where we're at. There's a huge window right there with just very little gospel influence wow. and so you'll go up and you'll go into these places and you basically you get out and you go find the leader of the of the town and you you know you show them a credential and you're like i'm a preacher i'm not here to take no money or, or kidnap anybody this is what we're <laughs> doing and usually usually they'll give you permission and you you hand out tracks and what you're wanting is that invitation to come inside a house sit yeah. down and just take your, take your time and work through the gospel. And guys, that, that to me is the pinnacle of ministry right there, that God would trust me enough with the holy things like that for me to be able, you know, and it just makes you nervous doing it because you know whatever you tell them, they're going to tell their neighbors, and they could just, you know, you better get it right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's something that it, it's an honor, it's a privilege, and that's kind of the way it went from there now we're, we're we do bible distribution we give out oh gosh thousands of bibles every year blankets mm. uh we're in, we're in the middle of 
uh, food distribution. This is more than on the materialistic side. Mm. Uh, and we've never really done a lot of that. But again, I really believe when you, when you make the gospel your, your main thing, uh, it just naturally kind of opens up different avenues to minister in any way you can minister just to get that message to them, you know. And an, another thing that changed with me personally, it took the pressure off um, where, you know, and I'm even careful today to use the terminology or uh, the word when you, you know, squat win souls. Well, you know, you literally can't win anybody. Yeah. You can't save anybody. And I kind of thought, you know, I could persuade somebody to, to, to come in and I would persuade, but the problem was they wasn't born again. And right. I had to create different ways to keep them in church. And, you know, the end of this story, you know, sooner or later they're going to leave because their nature hasn't changed. But when, you know, through the gospel and, and, and these, you know, studying uh, these truths, I see now, you know, the, the, the actual conversion and it's so by the Spirit of God. It's by the sovereignty of God. The only thing He's told me to do is pray and go and, and, and teach His Word and, you know, preach to people and love them. But the saving, you know, is totally His department. So it's yeah. taking, taking the, the pressure off in, in that aspect. Yeah. But, yeah. um, and it's very it's, clear it's, in John, it, right? We, we see that yeah, nobody can come absolutely. to the Father unless, uh, unless He draws them. Um, that's and, right. And, and what a, and I'm like you said, I'm sure that's a huge load off of you that that yeah. God is going to give you his own, as John six uh, says, you know, um, and, right. uh, you know, uh, you know, the father gives to the son um, and the son is going right. to save and. And, and we just do what we need to do faithfully. Um, we've uh, Brandon, we've talked before. um of challenges of going into some of these communities. And if I recall correctly, right. you told me about, uh, as you guys were sharing the gospel, um, you had witch doctors, I believe, um, giving yeah. pushback and just kind of going back into the community, I think making threats, uh, doing certain things to just kind of push you guys away. Can you just let our, uh, our audience know a little bit about that, what that looked like? excuse me, where the challenges sure. in that, because, um, um, you, you had said that there's just a spiritual battle. Things have you seen, um, in, in the mission field that is very dark at times. Uh, and I think it's very important for our audience to know those things. Uh, cause I think it's important. Um, as, as much right. as there is all this good, um, there's also these roadblocks, spiritual roadblocks, uh, um, maybe demonic activity. I, I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first and foremost, anytime you go into a place that doesn't have a gospel witness or maybe they've never heard it, uh, you're 100% sure when you go in there and you start preaching truth, something's going to happen. Now it could be good, or it could be bad, <laughs> but something always happens. Right. Um, we it's been several times we would go into a place knowing that as soon as we do this service, as soon as we preach, as soon as we uh, start sharing truth, we know it's going to bring persecution to that family, mm -hmm. and you really have to sit down and count the cost. Uh, and, I, and I'm talking to any future missionaries right now because you know it sounds great when you're talking about it 
in the context that we're in right now. But man, when you're by yourself and these people have done nothing to nobody and God's moving on their life and you're there to encourage them and teach them and to be, to be truthful with them. You know, if you go in this direction, we're talking about heaven and we're talking about hell. The message is eternal. You cannot take the eternity out of it or it, it just, it fails at that point. It no longer makes sense. It's no longer worth it. Right. And if it's if it's eternal, then when the resistance comes, you'll be able to push through, you know, by the mercy and grace of God, because your eyes are on heaven. And there's been several times, you know, I knew, and, and I remember a little place in Carretero, state of Carretero, when we first started going there, a real, real sweet uh, girl. I think she was about six or seven years old and uh, she was on her way to, to school and her family had recently, you know, converted and were, were going to church and all that. And somebody threw a rock and hit her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a realist pretty much. So I'm sitting there in the morning praying and I know deep down it's my fault. I brought that message to them. Now, what am I going to do at that moment? How am I going to respond? Um, so, you know, we, we continue to go, we continue to be as loving and as encouraging as, as we can. But if you don't have an eternal focus, the whole thing just falls apart. And you do deal with uh, pushback from the community uh, because most of the community are not Christian. You have your witch doctors, which are your, you know, because they have no, there's not really it's better now than it used to be, but there's no, there's not a lot of uh, hospitals and clinics. So each town would have their own um, resident doctor, if you will, but they're witch doctors. These things, you know, they would, they would literally go around healing and they have the power to heal. Um, They would go around for a price and pray for sick people and heal them either by some chant or praying for them or using some herb, or I think it's a mixture, you know, of, Mm. uh, of, of different things and they would heal them. Well, if we came in um, and we start preaching the gospel and people wanted prayer, we'll pray for them. You know, we'll gather the elders and we'll pray for a sick person. And we see healings lots of times. That's not the emphasis of what we do, but there's been several times we've prayed for uh, a sick person and they're healed, which gets the attention of other people to come hear what you got to say. Well, that causes problems because now you're taking business from, the witch doctor. So he gets mm. mad, starts spreading spreading rumors and cutting your tires and throwing rocks at you and all kinds of uh, crazy stuff. We've had, uh, since I've been there, we've had a few pastors uh, killed. Uh, one guy in particular, I remember. Uh, you back you said killed? Brandon, you said yeah. killed? Okay. Yeah. I, I just want to, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when I first got there, he's '05 or '06, and he was one of the guys that really taught me. He was an awesome man. He, he was probably about fifty years old, and he had a circuit that he would walk. He lived down in a valley, and he would go around. Had a change of clothes in every village, and every week he'd take three or four days, and he would walk this circuit and do services in every single uh, church. And I'd go with him lots of times. I'd schedule to be out there with him a day or two, and. So I spent a lot of time with him, and I won't, I'll never forget. I was actually in the States, itinerating, preaching, raising money and stuff like that. And they had called me and said, uh, El Savio is dead. And they had his picture on the front page on the same trail we had walked, and he was in the same shirt that I'd always seen him in. 
and he was dead. And uh, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a conspiracy to this day how that happened. But the coroner's report uh, said that somebody had had held the butt of a rifle up against his neck uh, and had him on the ground and basically strangled him to death. And that was that was because of the gospel. He he was bringing um, something different in that situation. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, on the surface, it looks like a, a money thing, but it's a spiritual thing. It's always a spiritual thing, but it manifests through somebody losing money. Usually if it's the drug dealers losing money or the religious establishment that you guys know in Mexico, that's 91% um, of all, you know, all of Mexico, which we don't really consider our um, true church or true gospel kind of oppresses the people. And if anything different comes in, they kind of pressure and persecute. And that's kind of what happened to him. They've been, they've told him to not come back and he kept sneaking in and we had a church in there and uh, they just got him one day. Wow. And, they, you know, when you, when you, when you see that, you really start weighing your message at that point. You know, is this really worth it? You know, do I, I got a family here, you know, and um, it's several days you just, you know, you, you see these Christian movies, you know, growing up and, you know, light shining down from heaven and these dramatic moments of persecution. But it's nothing like that. I mean, it really um, and I haven't experienced more than most, but the, 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 the parts that I have experienced is uh, it is definitely demonic. It is definitely a spiritual war. Uh, and reminds you um, of the importance of what we do. You know, we got to go forward. We got to keep preaching. We got to keep loving people. And, and remember that this is, you know, this is a battle for souls. This is heaven and hell. Um, it's between Jesus and the devil, but he's allowing us to participate in, in, in carrying his word to these places. Yeah, no. Uh, it's just a reminder that uh, the gospel can cost you your life. I think the, um, oh, yeah. the the cool thing is is that um, that time that we are going to be in heaven, we will see that brother and we'll be able to give him a hug and yeah and yeah absolutely so, um absolutely um yeah <laughs> I was I just can't think of just I'm just thinking about that um uh, just the brothers yeah. who who lost his life so um yeah. I think I think we don't we don't really realize what we possess, uh, especially up here. And in, in, uh, and I'm I'm speaking of the the Bible Belt here in Alabama, and I, and I got a little you know I, I know a little bit about South Texas as well. But especially up here, we we tend I don't want to say play with it, but it's almost a cultural thing to be a Christian now, and we don't realize um, the power that we possess through the message, through the teaching of the gospel and what that causes, you know, it's a, it's a wartime message and mm-hmm. we've kind of converted it into, you know, well, how can I better my life here on this, on these, you know, 70, 80, 90 years that we have on this planet. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't really fit that way. We don't, we don't have a whole lot of trouble with the, with the uh, prosperity gospel yeah. where we're at because it don't work. It just doesn't work. Well, you, that's you, good. Just, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's they've tried to come in there and do a little bit of that, but it, it, you know, you just, you got a a brother that is, you know, and I can think of five or six of them. They have more faith than I'll ever have. And I just assume these men and they don't have anything. 
And, you know, of course, the prosperity gospel teaches either directly or indirectly the closer you are with God, the more money you have or the more blessed you have. Well, this brother isn't in your eyes, but, man, God, you know, first will be last, the last will be first. And I think all over the world there's going to be men and women coming from places that we, you know, we don't know that are going to just be, you know, really esteemed in heaven. They, what, they, maybe they wasn't anything here on earth, but, man, they were faithful and um, to preaching, you know, the most powerful message ever. Yeah. It's, it's such a such a privilege. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, go ahead. Sorry, Joy. And, and a text I was thinking of was uh, Galatians 5.17, where it says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So the reason I thought of that text is because the gospel, really, our, our flesh is always going to be against the gospel. Because if you look at all these other false gospels, like the prosperity gospel, what it offers you is what your flesh wants, which is money and prosperity yeah. and all these things, a good life now. But what does Jesus say? Well, to pick up our cross and, and follow him. And our mm. flesh doesn't want to suffer. Our flesh doesn't want to starve or to, to go through these challenges. But it's it's now not right. about walking in the flesh, but uh, in the spirit. So that's how you can distinguish a false gospel from the, the true gospel, that a false gospel will always lead you to your flesh and give you the desires of your sure. flesh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that, that's so true. Um. Brandon, before uh, we start landing this play, plane, um, the time just is going so by, so uh, <laughs> going by so fast. Excuse me. Um, can you just uh, give uh, maybe some encouraging words uh, to our listeners who are potentially going into the mission field, or um, maybe missionaries that are currently listening right now who might feel a little just kind of overwhelmed down. Um, if this is what they should be doing, um, can you just share some encouraging words and, uh, to potential missionaries and current missionaries? Okay, absolutely. Uh, I constantly talk about, you know, I'm possibly being the worst missionary ever. I've tried to mess this up so much. Uh, out of out of my own weaknesses and consistency, um, the way we even got you know on the mission field so so quickly, there wasn't you know there was a preparation in the project. But uh, you know, I look back now and I wish, man, I wish I'd had more more time to really prepare in God's word. But you know, through God's God's grace and mercy and sovereignty, it is what it is. But I just I'm amazed looking back now. You know, and I think it's. August will have 20 years or down oh, wow. in down in Mexico and I am still just I mean it's not old to me it feels like we've just started in many ways and I see his hand his mercy his grace he could have so let me go a wrong way so I guess you know if you're thinking about going on the mission field and I've talked to several people like that and they always have reservations and that's normal but ultimately, if you're called to do that, man, God's going to be there. And he is going, you got to have confidence that he's going to lead you. He's going to teach you through his word, through life circumstances. It, it's amazing how you'll learn something in the Bible. And then through life, he'll, he'll establish that in your heart. And, uh, and, and even now, you don't, you know, 20 years in, man, we're learning. I mean, I... Wow. I still fail. I fail in so many ways. And I think you got to allow for that. Um, um, 
uh, you gotta you gotta be hum- if you if you don't want to be humble, God will humble you. <laughs> and wow, it's, yeah. And it just. It, it, one of the things that's really helped me out is just don't lose the amazement of the gospel. Um, mm. I think it was CJ Mahaney, uh, you, you know, be, just be amazed at the cross, be amazed at what Jesus has done for you. And, you know, to encourage the people that are on the field, uh, I, I know what that feels like to be, you, you'll get to a point if you start, if you're doing it on your own or if you're not doing it, the way that is, uh, I, I would think, bib- biblical, uh, God will let that fall on you and then just let it drain you. Not saying that that's everybody's circumstance. There's several different things that could happen. But with me personally, that, you know, I was just like, what's the point here? Because all these people are saying these prayers, but there's no lives being changed. Um, but the minute when the the narrative changed or the message changed. I don't even know what you'd call it, but that God yeah. completely changed my theology. I was regenerated and I still preach, you know, heavy regeneration, but man, you know, justification and these just the sovereignty of God, these enormous truths of the gospel that we don't think is necessary or we don't think applies on the mission field, man, they do apply. And they change lives. That's the way God's made it. But it also changes your motivation as a missionary. I was mentioning that that previously in a couple of ways. You know, um, you're not so result oriented, and and not that you you know you're, it's natural to want fruit. It's natural to you want to see things. But you know, God is so big, man. He's working so much behind the scenes that He just doesn't feel obligated to tell us every little detail. And you got to be you got to be okay with that. Yeah. You got to be okay with, well, you know, today I'm going to, I got a service today or I'm going to go evangelize today. And I get it's the privilege of sharing the gospel, the, the most wonderful message ever. God mm-hmm. is going to let me go out and be his messenger. And I get to share this and whatever happens, happens with, with the confidence that every time I share the gospel, something is happening. That's the yeah. promise we have yeah. that something is happening. It's either conviction or you're watering or you're harvesting, but mm. something is happening every single time. If that can be your motivation, man, that's the fuel you'll run on. It never gets old. And that's kind of, you know, that's where we, you know, set six, seven years in, it changed to that. And guys, I'm just, I mean, to this day, I don't, I'm not, you know, it's not all roses, but, yeah. Uh, I, I just can't get over um, what Jesus has done. And I, I just can't get over all that God has done to save us. And now he lets us participate in this great commission. And I mean, what a what an amazing honor. I mean, and you guys uh, with the podcast, I mean, you guys have blessed me before we, we get off. I wanted to make sure I plugged that. Cause we listened to, to the podcast and whatnot. I had a chance to go to go visit you guys and yeah. you got an amazing ministry there so i know i appreciate it but what an exciting time we live yeah so uh and so this is a good transition uh brandon uh romans ten fourteen says how then would they call on him who they have not believed and how would they believe in whom they have not heard and how would they hear without the preacher can you go ahead and just share Amen. the gospel to our worldwide audience today Absolutely. What an amazing God. Um, well, first and foremost, if you're listening and you and, and like a lot of people we preach to down in Mexico, they, they hear the gospel or 
hear the message and it comes across that, well, I need to try a little bit harder. Or I need to, to add a few more work uh, to my life. I, I, I think, I can't remember who said it, but it's almost equivalent of, of putting perfume on a corpse. Uh, that's what religion is. That's what man's attempt is. It just, it might smell good for a minute, but it doesn't work. The Bible says we are born in sin. We are incapable of saving ourselves. But God in his infinite mercy has sent his son to live first for you. He lived for us. He earned a righteousness we could not earn. It don't matter how many times we go to church or how many chapters we read in the Bible or how many good works we do. It will always fall short. But the son of God came as a man and walked on this earth and earned the perfect righteousness that God requires for us to be reconciled to him. And he went on the cross and he made this promise. If we trust in him, he has died for your sins, past, present, future, put on the son of God. And his value is so great. It's so amazing that, that just a few hours on the cross was enough to cancel out our debt completely. The blood of Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected on the third day proving that this is the Son of God and there is forgiveness of sins for those who believe on Him. And don't make the mistake of saying, I'm, I agree with that, Brandon. I, I really believe that. I, I agree with that. It's great to agree with it, but the Bible says we are saved by faith alone. Faith in Jesus alone. And what does faith look like? It is a, it's a trust. It's actually a trust that produces action, right? If you trust, you know, if you, if you say, I trust in you, Jesus, well, you're going to, you're going to do what he said and you're going to at least see the Bible, see his words and attempt to walk in that direction, leaving sin behind, leaving the world behind. If the call hasn't changed, come and follow me. It's still the same today. And when we start, you know, when we repent and we put our trust fully in Jesus and start walking that way, Man, God is gonna is gonna put His Spirit in you. You're gonna be born again, and and that heart that was, you know, before inclined to do wrong now will be inclined to do right. And that is the proof that you're forgiven. You have been regenerated, and that and you know, me personally, I was amazed, and I, and I hesitate to use the word, but I had tried so many times to be good enough. But when I was born again by the Spirit of God, I was amazed how more compatible, I guess is the right word, I was with the Word of God at that point. It was, it, was, it was so much easier. You didn't think about it as a list of rules. You just naturally wanted to be obedient uh, in, in, in so many things, whereas before I had tried so many times to stop drinking, so many times to, to, to stop living that way, but now God had given me a new heart with new desires, a new nature, you know, just proving what he had done on the cross that he had forgiven my sins and he'd given me a new life. And um, what's amazing is that's just the beginning that he walks with you. And when you do fail, you have that, you have that, you, you live under that forgiveness and he is constantly perfecting and sanctifying and making you more like Jesus day after day. And he, he wants you to experience him. I, I, that's what, I really love about Christianity is, is the relationship side. They did so much to get it in the family and to adopt it. And now he wants that personal relationship uh, every day that we spend time with him and worship him and be with him. And I would encourage anybody listening 
um, you know, dead religion, there's no answer there. Uh, and I think man has, in the world in general has, has so misconstrued the, the gospel and the message that most people just kind of throw their hands up in the air. Yeah. But if you just read the, read the Bible for yourself or listen to preachers that are preaching the gospel, not for money, but the truth, um, man, give the gospel a chance. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it is life changing, life changing. I just encourage anybody that's listening to be, to, to, to repent and put your trust in Jesus today. Wow. Amen. Thank you, Brandon, for uh, sharing the yes, gospel. Um, Brandon, where can our audience uh, find you uh, if anybody is looking to uh, help you out, uh, help uh, help the people in the mountains of Mexico? Uh, uh, where can they find you? Where they they can donate? Maybe uh, anything like that. Uh, if you're on social media or anything like that. Sure. Uh- the, the quickest and the easiest way right now is on Facebook, Brandon Dash Heather Watson. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, and we keep uh, most most of our updates on there. We are uh, working on a website right now. Okay, it's going to be Hope International uh, Hope Intl Ministries dot com. Uh, that will be up and running probably. I would think by. July, hopefully, we'll mm. we'll be putting that out as soon as it's ready. And that'll be the easiest way to uh, to donate or whatnot. But uh, right now, through Facebook, personal message, we have PayPal. We're in the middle of a um, we call them dispensers down in Mexico, but these food bags that we're raising money for uh, because of the uh, the pandemic down in mm. Mexico, they've actually hit their peak now. They're opening up some things to markets, but there's a lot of our guy our our brothers suffering right now up in the mountains. They don't have any food, and they're all, they've always been kind of impoverished, you know. But a lot of them could at least buy food for markets, and that's kind of how they get by day to day. But because of the coronavirus and whatnot, a lot of markets shut down, and there was a food shortage. So the last few weeks, we've been uh, distributing these uh, these food bags, which have enough food, I guess, to last about five or six days. The older the older brothers and sisters we leave two or three bags to try to get them through the you know the entire month but mm. uh we've been blessed man we've had so many donations come in for that and we should be able to uh distribute probably about 22 2300 bags when we get done we're doing about 300 a week uh we're and please be praying for us we're going to be going back uh thank you jesus next week so oh, awesome uh, it seems like the board the, the border uh, is is opened up. My okay. town has opened up a little bit wow, and we're awesome. going to be going down to help out with the distributions. But yeah, if anybody's got any questions, just, uh, Facebook, uh, messages, uh, we, we do have an address. If you want to send, um, a check, you just make it out to hope international Ministries, and you send it to PO box three, five, one Hansville, Alabama, H A N C E V I L L E Alabama three, five, zero, Seven seven, and uh, we'll we'll be getting that. But just yeah, awesome. we would appreciate your prayers. I also want to give a shout out to my brother Pastor Jeff Neal in Logan, Carlton, <laughs> Texas. My church, awesome church, man. That I, 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 it's so funny that we how we met. Uh, I, I was kind of stuck on which denomination I was, and I just googled uh, 
uh, was it Charis- Reformed Charismatic, and his church popped up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I found him. That, that's that's hilarious. I, uh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff, if you're listening, uh, uh, I, I hope that you paid uh, Brandon enough money to say that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, if anybody doesn't oh, know, uh, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Gr- Chris were on uh, episode, I don't know, 50-something on, uh, on uh, discipleship. So um, uh, you guys can check them out. Brandon, uh, thank you very much for coming on Bridge Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, please, uh, what, what Brandon and his family are doing down there, I've seen uh, firsthand what our, uh, our old church was doing and the videos that they've done um, and what they're doing up in the mountains and, and, and spreading the good news in, uh, in central Mexico and beyond. Uh, so if, uh, you know, God puts it in your heart to help him out, please do so. Brandon gave you all the information. Brandon, thank you again. Uh, you have a blessed week um, as you return back and hope you can come back on or see you here at Bridge as you come and maybe collect some more uh, uh, supplies to, 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 to the community. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with uh, missionary uh, Brandon Watson. Uh, Joey, what did you think about the podcast today? It was cool. It was interesting. I, I actually Googled the place where he's at, and it looks very different. <laughs> I, yeah. I've never seen a place like that. It's really cool. Yeah, no, uh, they, they're, they are up in the mountains. I, I've seen videos at our old church or where they're doing uh uh, mission work at and you're just like it's very beautiful by the way yeah it's really beautiful but like there's no roads like i mean it's like going back in time yeah. um and but there is like a ton of need up there and it gets cold i know that our church uh I, our old church i don't know if they do this uh but uh they will uh have like coat drives um, so our church would, uh, people would bring their coats and then they would distri- give them to Brandon and send them down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, uh, a lot of people have just helped them out and bring, um, um, supplies to the community. And, and yes, yeah, so I think somebody, he was talking about a property. They, they purchased a property from somebody or it was donated or something like that. And, and they're going to be growing coffee. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be interested to see if they uh, roll some coffee up there. They can send send some to Bridge down here and try it out, see how it tastes. Um, but yeah, man, um, it, I find that so amazing how God calls people in the mission field. Yeah. Um, to in the dedication and for our listeners, uh, uh, Steve, the president of the ministry, uh, him and Leanne and their kids started off as missionaries in Mexico before opening up uh, Bridge uh, Ministries here in Laredo. Um, So they were in Mexico and doing the same thing. And uh, one of the things that inspired them to open up Bridge Ministry was getting uh, Bibles and supplies uh, to uh, people in the mission field, especially in Mexico and Central America and South America. So uh, yeah, so that that was really good, a really good podcast. Um, really enjoyed it a lot for our, for our listeners. Uh, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, make sure to like all our pages and like all the videos that, uh, Joey does for us. So they've been absolutely amazing. Thank you. 
All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, like we always like to end the show, uh, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Till next week.